There was no way. Welcome to the Tim Graham Show. The Tim Graham Show. This is Sports Radio 1270. Just not hitting the hole. The fan. I know I'm going to get pimped. They're going to pimp me. Yeah, huh? I love sausage. Shocking. Dizzying. How did this happen? When I bring the lumber, it's all about the hole. Tim Graham Show. I diddled uh, some pole. Uh, over the weekend. Right. Not me so honia. I did have an accident with a menorah Here we one. Go. On Twitter at 1270, a fan. Wet ball. Taking your calls at 270 1270. What's up, baby? How you doing? Here we go. The Tim Graham Show. When's the last time you read the New Testament, huh? I'm trying to put my junk back in place. You're one of the guys I'm following on Twitter, you know. Well, I like this guy, uh, Tim Graham. Sounds like Howard got kicked in the nuts. <laughs> welcome back to the... No, not welcome back. Welcome... Well, I guess welcome back to the show. Although that is one of the phrases that gets knocked on television when somebody says, welcome back. It's presumptuous. Well, true. And also the person who's sitting there watching never went anywhere. You went... The show went away. Welcome back to your couch. Yeah, you've, you've been sitting there the whole time. I didn't go anywhere. Although here, I think it might apply. Somebody wasn't sitting in front of their radio for a week. That's true. They did come back to the show in some way, shape, or form. They're listening on a podcast, listening right here on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan, watching the Periscope that Jonah Bronstein handles every week, which you can see live as it's happening right now. Uh, We tweet out the link to that, or you can come back and check it out later. This or all previous Tim Graham shows. Uh, all kinds of ways that you can come back to this show. And we're thankful that you do it. We're also thankful for our title sponsor because this is the Tim Graham Show brought to you by Shampoo Travis Besaw and Kirshner, CPAs and business consultants. And uh, this is the January 15th, 2020 Year of Our Lord edition of the Tim Graham Show brought to you by CTPK. And I wanted to start off. Because one of the great existential questions that has been posed on this radio show by our own Jonah Bronstein. Do you have the question teed up? I believe I do. All right. Bobby Rosati, our producer, has been painstakingly going through. We've been researching it. We have something ready to go. And, uh, Bobby, what did Jonah ask at one point? Do drummers die more often than other musicians? <laughs> the, ri- the rhythm, I'm serious. Like, is the rhythm, like sec- rhythm I guess sections. I, I'm die pretty sooner. sure it's 100 percent mortality yeah, every, rate. Everybody dies. <laughs> I mean, are there more dead drummers than dead guitarists? <laughs> we lost another drummer since the last Tim Graham show, brought to you by CTBK, and maybe, depending on who you talk to, the greatest drummer of all time. And that is the guy from Rush, Neil. Neil Part. Oh, Neil Pert. Pert. Yeah, I believe it was uh, Neil Pert, right? You're all wrong. The Rush drummer did die, and that is who I'm talking about. But one of the things that I've been fascinated by. Animal from the Muppets? Animals still around, as far as I know. Yeah. By the way, and Jonah was there when I heard it, we heard the uh, Bohemian Rhapsody version done by the Muppets. Really? And uh, Animal is fantastic in it. I've never heard that. We'll have to maybe pull it up okay. and we can bring it in. I but uh, I was laughing so hard, 
I may have cried. I don't re- recall, but I remember laughing incredibly hard when I heard it. Animal is a fantastic drummer. Maybe now the greatest living drummer. Now that yeah, Neil now. Peart has passed on. And so I was fascinated by this because he is a legend and people don't know how to say his name. Right. And it's not that I was not putting you guys on the spot. If you would have asked me a week ago, I would have said it was Neil Peart also. You asked me today. I want it. Well, I, I think I know because I went and did some research and actually have found him and Rush saying it. But people all along. And so I thought, well, is this just a, a low? So I went. He's from Hamilton. Was born in ha- raised in Hamilton, I think, but you know, huge Toronto celebrity. The CBC, CTV, all the stations up there, all the networks reporting on his death called him Neil Pert. Rolling Stone called him Neil Pert. Is that just saying it with an American accent, though? What's the difference between a Canadian accent and an Amer- and a well, U.S. accent? We say Toronto accent. different. Toronto, yeah, Detroit, yeah, Toronto, Detroit. Uh, okay, so. <laughs> I'm listening uh, in in mourning Neil mm-hmm. P- Pert at the time. I think I'm looking up videos and I find him doing a solo on the David Letterman show. And this is how David Letterman introduces him: Neil Peart. Oh, Peart. Neil Peart. You, you all hear Paul Schaefer in the background also say Neil Peart. Ah, Peart. Yes. Ah, Peart, because Paul Schaefer being a Canadian, right? <laughs> So I think, well, David might have gotten it wrong. It wouldn't be the first time David Letterman mispronounced a, a name. And it's, especially the Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone, the Bible of rock and roll, should get this name right. So I'm still siding with Rolling Stone. I'm still siding with with Pert. So what I do is finally, after bouncing around all these different back and forth uh, pronunciations, I Googled, how do you pronounce Neil P-E-A-R-T? And there is a clip of Getty Lee and Alex Lifeson from Rush explaining to a reporter how to say it. Ear with a P in front of it and a T at the end. Peart. Peart. All right, so that's not the best audio, but the but then we'll play it again here for a second. So what Getty Lee does is he points to the side of his head and says, like, like ear, but with a P and a T in front of it. Ear. With a P in front of it and a T at the end. Peart. All right. So maybe they're playing a gag. I don't know. Right. But they the would Beatles seem, did it with Paul, right? It seemed like a pretty... Yeah, he was dead at one point. I mean, you think a mispronunciation of a name would be... Is, is trivial compared to Paul being dead for a, a bit. <laughs> um, so there actually was a Funny or Die sketch with Paul Rudd and Jason Siegel, And Rush is in it. And in it, Neil himself says, I told you not to eat Mr. Peart's sandwich. It's just Peart. You sure that it's not Peart? I think he would know. It's just Peart. (laughs) So drummers who have their names pronounced incorrectly do die more often than drummers who have them pronounced correctly. Apparently. Wouldn't you say? That's pretty sad, if you think about it. All well, these people reporting on his death, pro- most of them pronouncing his name wrong. Well, we were having the discussion as uh, as uh, Bobby was putting this together of all the times in our careers we've we've taken for granted 
somebody's name being pronounced some way. We've talked about it on the air. I went through, I found out while I was covering the Sabres, a couple of the guys on the roster were having their names mispronounced because they didn't feel uh, confident enough to correct the American media. Henrik Talender at the time, it was really pronounced Talinder. Yeah, that was my favorite. Uh, Alesh Kotalik yeah. was really Kotalik. He also liked the way Kotalik sound. He thought it sounded more American. Uh, there was Tony Lidman, who played for years with the Calgary Flames until um, it was explained to me that it was Tony Ludman, and that's the way that it's said over there. Uh, Mika Nornan was the one who told me that, the former Sabres backup goalie. So I go to Tony Lidman and say, is your name Ludman? He says, yeah, I just didn't want to. They don't want to correct anybody. Yeah. How about Tyrod Taylor? Tyrod, Tyrod. Taylor. I'm suspicious on that one because he's not. He's no shrinking violet. He, I think he was trying to reinvent himself. But I'm not. If that's the Could way, that I'll tell you one thing. Neil Peart was doing, having he, some sort of alter ego. He was a he was an out there kind of guy. Well, he no, he was an intro. He never. He rarely did interviews and things like well, that. Like he was I considered mean, like out he, there. I mean, like in terms of being. Oh, creative. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, yes, and true, true. And and to take the stage every night obviously takes a pretty big set set to, you know, and he did have a big drum set also, yeah, he but did. he had uh, a big set to to do what you Large to do that line was. of work. But you were going to say Jonah? No, I was just going to say if you I remember teammates like LaShawn McCoy and maybe others would kind of say to Rod when he was on the team even though before Taylor he never said it? corrected anybody for saying Tyrod. Oh, yeah, because he didn't say it till That Cleveland. seemed like his name to everybody. I remember McCoy in particular kind of pronouncing it a little bit differently. Okay. What about Steven Hauschka Rats allowing the- his name to be spelled wrong for years? Good point. By the NFL and the Seattle Seahawks, it wasn't until many, many years into the league before. And I don't. And I think he still backed away from any time somebody would mention that. Because he would, but somebody came up with the real spelling of his name with a PH instead of a V. It became an either or essentially for him. Yeah. He's like, either way is fine. He didn't want to cause any waves. Keenan McArdell, who was a receiver at UNLV, I used to cover UNLV football. And then he, uh, now he was in the NFL by the time I started covering him, but uh, he was for years Keenan McArdle. And is one of the all-time receiver leaders in the NFL. And he played for, I don't know, 14 years. He's still a coach in the league. And his his father was interviewed one day and said, no, it's McCardell. So we're just like, what? And then they went to Keenan McCardle and said, is this true? And he's like, yeah, I just didn't want to correct anybody. I was just happy to be in the NFL. Funny. Who else, What other names have we been mis, uh, mispronouncing? Remember Yaroslav Spacek? Right. Or Spachik. Spachik. Um, you know, Josh Allen. <laughs> his middle name was a topic yeah. of debate for Josh a Allen. little while. Yes, it was. Was it? What's his middle name? Well, I don't know, but it was wrong <laughs> on one of the websites or Wikipedia no, or Kroger. something. <laughs> Anyways, I just wanted to bring that up because it is one of the great questions. We have Matthew Fairburn here, who is a big Rush fan. Jonah has asked his deep question about drummers dying more often than than anyone else. Do they die faster, perhaps, is the question. But still one of the all-time great questions. That hasn't been answered, show. really, yes or no, <laughs> by anybody in this room. That's true. Bobby Rosati has a drumming background, so I thought it would be a good topic for us to get into. 
A lot coming up on the show today. We're going to have uh, Chad Dedeminisis from Die by the Blade. He's going to be on to talk about the Sabres later Another on the person show. who gets his name mispronounced. Oh, I'll bet. Oh, what, what, what have you heard? I've never heard anybody pr- try to pronounce it. That's the problem. Yeah, well, people it, don't uh, even try. Yeah, you know, it's spelled the Dominics, which yeah. sounds silly. But if you're really reading it phonetically, I made it a point to ask him before he was on the show last year for the first time. I said, "Can you say your name for me?" And he said it. And I said, and all day before he came on that show, I was repeating it in my house as I was, you know, well, eating my breakfast or whatever because I didn't want to botch the guy's name. Well, those are good broadcast fundamentals. Chad D. Diminisis. You ever ask somebody how to pronounce their name for a story you're writing? Get that little parentheses with the. Yeah, I guess you ha- yeah, sometimes guy. I have because you want the reader needs to be able to say it in their head. You want the reader to have an idea. Sometimes you do get a tricky one. Um, but yeah, the the story that we were talking about in which I had to go, I went around the Sabres locker room and asked everybody, well, I didn't ask Ryan Miller, but I went around and asked pretty much anybody, Marty Baran, I even asked him. I'm like, how? because people were saying it all kinds of different ways. Um, what was the verdict on that one? Marty Baran? It's Baran? Yeah. Okay, I always used to say Baran. And uh, Daniel Briere, technically, is Danielle Briere. What's so funny, Bobby? Nothing. No. <laughs> but here's the kicker to the story, and I know I've told this on the air before, so I apologize for repeating myself, but it's my favorite part of the story. So that's that piece runs in the Buffalo News, where I say Talinder, Ludman... Coda Leak. There also was a uh, Dimitri Kalinin. Lindy Ruff used to call him Dimitri Kalinin. And so it went through and it's how to say everybody's name. And so this was back when the Buffalo News traveled on the Sabres charter. And there was a road game that day that the story ran. So I'm getting on the plane and I used to sit right in front of Rick Jenneret. And Rick Jenneret is giving me a hard time because it was essentially a story saying that in effect, he had been saying the names wrong also because he's the one who says them most of all. And so he's like, oh, gee, thanks for that story. And he's just like really laying it on. I'm like, hey. And uh, and right behind me comes Henrik Talinder. And then Rick Jenneretz, now he's getting more animated. He's like, oh, you think you could have told me that I was saying it wrong? And Talinder is like laughing about it. And, and so Jim Lorenz is sitting across the aisle, and he says, well, you know what's funny is that my name's really Lawrence. No. And that's what I said. I, I was like, come on. And he says, no, seriously. And I said, well, how did it become Lorenz? And he points across the aisle at Rick Jenneret, <laughs> and he said he thought it sounded like a better hockey name. Oh, yeah. So when he came, he, was, he had been Jim Lawrence, but was playing for the Sabres. Rick Jenneret was the announcer and said, with, to give him some oh, flair, it was Jim Lorenz. So we, everybody's been saying his name wrong all these years, too. And he'd never really corrected anybody. Also goes with the French connection, right? I'd say so. Rick Martin. <laughs> it was just Rick Martin. He was, you know. How about, I heard this, Guy Bear. He's from Albany. Guy, what? Guy Hebert. Yeah, that's what I used to, I had a car to him. Guy E. Bear. That's how it's said? Guy? Yeah, he's, well, that's, well, that's Guy, like say. Guy Lafleur. That's how the oh. Canadians would say the, you know, or it's the French guy. kid. Right, yeah. My, but. I knew a kid named Guy. Isn't Albany, Albany's kind of on the way to Montreal, though. <laughs> on the throughway, you split it, Albany, when you go to Montreal, correct? Okay. 
<laughs> probably on, like it's a on, it's on immigration pipeline. Somewhere. There's right. an underground <laughs> railroad from Montreal to Albany with hockey players skating along. So we have uh, we have a lot of we have a name jambalaya on today. We have Chad Dinaminisis. He's going to talk about the Sabers, of course. Joel Staniszewski to talk about the AFC and NFC title games this weekend. He's going to give us all the betting uh, insight on those two games, and then finally saving us with a, a sane name that we don't need to double-check, is Jason Bristol, a name a lot of you uh, will remember from the Empire Sports Network. Uh, many, many years ago, he has been working and doing a, a lot of great work in Houston for a number of years and had a chance to run into Jason at the Bills-Texans game in the playoffs. And, you know, it's funny because when you run into – I've run into Jason a handful of times over the years, and you just – because he's the guy from Empire in my mind, and it always just surprises me. Um, because you know we don't see each other a lot, but we used to we covered the Sabers together for for years, and then it's like, oh yeah, you're you're down here. So anyway, we're going to talk about what's going on with the Houston Astros with Jason and uh, the Texans giving up that big lead and uh, losing to Kansas City, covering those games, covering this Astros scandal, and. Um, I'm sure he's going to have some thoughts. Still has a 716 phone number, Jason Bristol does. so. I don't even have one of those. Chest tap. No, Neither n- do you. Nor do I. I've never, uh, well, when I was at the Buffalo News, I had a company-issued 716 cell number, but I've never owned, my personal phone has always been a 954. Anyways, I used to be able to sneak up on people with my 954 uh, because they would think it's an important call. It's out of the area. But 954 is now one of the hot spots for telemarketers, so people, uh, it's backfired on me. People never answer the phone when I call anymore. It always goes to voicemail. So I'm a text, I text ahead of time. Hopefully they'll call me. Anywho. Speaking of other area codes. I don't, I don't know. I was going to say something about college basketball. You guys talk about me watching the TV and not listening to you talk about area code. <laughs> uh, that was a classic Rodak maneuver I was about to pull on you. So, Mike, what do you think of that? Yeah. He like pushes away from his laptop. and uh, well, I yeah. don't want uh, What was that? Jerry's well, about agree. the rains putting out the fires in Australia. Lori Lachlan, new allegations. Kind of distracting with all this breaking news. <laughs> Tell us uh, what's going on in college basketball, and uh, I say that accusatorily, Jonah, because I think that you're behind all these failures of really good teams to to stave off upsets. I uh, so Duke loses to Clemson last night. Pretty, uh, un, uh, it wasn't that close. We have you know all the all the number ones, all the number twos. No, nobody's is anybody even undefeated anymore? No. So, what's your what's your take on what's going on with the college hoops? Well, what did we talk about before the show? That I don't really have a clue what's going on with national college hoops and who the best teams in the country are because I've been at games at UB and high school gyms and high school hockey rinks. And but I was actually thinking. Well, to what's myself, the word on the street? Because I usually do pretty well with the brackets. By the end of the year, I, I feel like I have some things figured out. And I was thinking about maybe it was yesterday when I saw the Duke loss. I don't really remember when it was. That I don't really have a clue, and it doesn't seem like there are any obviously good teams or even really a pecking order. There seems to be a lot of parity at the top with the best teams in the country, and it's we're in conference play. But, February is usually when you really 
figure out who's good and who's not good. We're, what are we, two weeks away from February, and it's still really up in the air with the best teams in the country. The conferences maybe are figuring things out. They're pecking orders. I don't know. Duke's still number one in the Kempom rating. So even though they lost, they lost a bad game earlier in the season, they're still 15-2 and two and have the best efficiency margin in the country. So you're not going to win every game. San Diego State's undefeated. Well, so number one. So like I said, I don't know what I'm talking about How here. about So I'm, I'm flipping through the channels the other day, and I see that Dayton is highly ranked. I was like, when did that happen? Dayton. Dayton's 15-2. and two. Dayton's usually very good, not often this good or this highly ranked. They're but quality, in a year where there's some parity mid-major. and not a lot of great teams running the table other than San Diego State, if you're 15-2 and two in the Atlantic 10, Dayton, you know, that's – one of the best teams in the country. It should be pointed out. I, I've been uh, remiss not to mention today's uh, Tim Graham show brought to you by CTBK is a 90-minute version because thanks to college basketball, uh, we will be off the air at 5.30 for Boston College at Syracuse. Uh, big game in the Carrier Dome, but uh, Sports Radio 1270, the fan, is the official Buffalo station for Syracuse basketball, and uh, we will clear the decks uh, for Jim Beheim and his... Well, I guess it should. Maybe it's Buddy Beheim and his boys now. Buddy's been uh, having himself a a recent stretch here. Uh, he doesn't really play a whole lot. No, but he had a big finish. See, like I said, I don't know what I'm talking about. But yeah. speaking of Dayton, <laughs> digging in, uh, they play at they no, they don't play at St. Bonaventure. They play against St. Bonaventure next Wednesday. Bonaventure's won what is that? I think eleven of the last twelve games, ten of their last eleven. The only loss to UB, and at this point in time. <laughs> I was going to say they're all on winning streaks. All the big four teams have won at least the last game that they've played. But Bonna's won. UB's won two in a row in the MAC to sort of right the ship. Bonna and Kine- or Niagara and Kenesha's both had road wins in the MAC on Sunday. Niagara winning at Iona, which is normally significant, although Iona's having a bit of a down year. Kenesha's getting its first MAC win on the road. And Bonna, what, you know, they lost that game at UB. Otherwise, they have won 10 of 11. Three in a row since that game at UB, all A-10 games. So they're undefeated in the league. Just looking up Buddy Bayheim's uh, stats here in the recent. Uh, he played 43 minutes. Like I said, that's not a lot. 40 minutes, 40 minutes. I thought he gave up his minutes to that Joe Girard kid who was come in and started a point guard. Why? That's what this guy UB has that everybody's getting all excited about. Talking about Jonathan Williams? Yeah, see, that's another name. Nate. That, he wants yeah. to be called Nate. Or uh, yeah, everybody calls him Nate. You look at it; it's, it's you would pronounce it Jonathan, but right. it is Jonathan. It's Jonathan, oh, but man. he's got an extra. E but everybody in there. calls him Nate on the team and around the team. Oh, jeez. They don't change it on the roster. I, I kind of go back and forth on that. Should I call him Nate Williams or should I go by the roster? And Nate Williams, it just seems like a different person. I don't know. We've been calling him one name for. He's only been here a year and a half, but he was. He's the highest rated recruit UB's had. One, or him and Turner battle. So people have known his name as Jonathan or however they had been mispronouncing it prior to that. And just calling him Nate now seems like a bad idea. Not a bad idea, but seems like we're just giving him a new name. But that's what his teammates all call him. Buddy Bayheim his last eight games, by the way. 26, 26 <laughs> points against Georgia Tech, 25 against Georgetown, 14, 16, 15, 23. Well, his dad's the coach. He gets to play a lot. He gets to shoot a lot. We all know how that works. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, those are just counting stats, Tim. 
What he's averaging efficiency numbers. Looks like he's averaging. Uh, well, I can't tell. Give me both numbers if you can, okay? <laughs> That's, that was classic. That was drop. quick. Oh, we're running late. We got to bring in Joel Staniszewski. Speaking of numbers, let's uh, let's come back and talk to Joel Staniszewski about what's going on with uh, the big the big games this weekend. When we come back on the Tim, Gr- oh wait. Let's talk, wait, one more thing about college hoops, or uh, college sports. Uh, We've been talking about it on the air. Uh, The volleyball team, Damon, men's volleyball, they played at, or uh, they've hosted UCLA. They hosted Pepperdine last night. And then they, they have Harvard tonight, is it? Well, Damon plays Harvard tomorrow. Tonight, Pepperdine and Harvard play each other in the Damon gym. So a Division I match. Yeah, so if you're a volleyball fan, you should be checking that out. I went to the match, Damon, against UCLA, number two in the country, and it was pretty entertaining to see up close how high the UCL, UCLA players jump and the physicality of the game, and even the Damon players as well. There's only 24 Division One programs in uh, Division One men's volleyball. So these players at Damon who are kind of maybe borderline Division One players, if there were 40 teams, they most of them would probably all be Division One players. It's not – you know, Division Two is almost – an extension of Division One in that sport more so than any other sport. And you may think, all right, well, of course you can be ranked number two or number five in the country when there's only however many teams. But also keep in mind that the competition is so condensed because the United States is still a juggernaut in international competition. These are Olympians. Oh, yeah, the These best- are. The best player on the UCLA team is actually a Team Canada player, but the best player on the Canadian national team. Yeah, so I mean, it just be so it's it's not relative based on the size of the number of teams involved. I mean, this is highly these are the best players in the world. Some of them. Uh, all right, so I wanted to make sure we mentioned that while we're talking college sports and before we change gears and talk about the NFL uh, next with Joel Staniszewski on the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Shampoo Travis, Besaw and Kirshner, CPAs and business consultants. On Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. The Tim Graham Show. Yes, I do have mnemonic devices that the we will Tim have. Grimm show. Prominent, prominent listener sent uh, this gift to me. I will have a big unveiling. Jim Brown's still a free agent. This is Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Celebrating its 25th anniversary this year, Shampoo, Travis, Besaw, and Kirshner is a full-service accounting firm that also offers expert consultation for growing and entrepreneurial businesses. Located in Amherst, CTBK specializes in maintaining a human connection and takes a bullish approach to their clients' goals and visions with a no-surprises billing policy. For assurance, accounting, taxes, litigation support, advice on acquisitions and mergers, or practically any other business operations need you can imagine, call CTBK for a consultation at 716-630-2400. That's 716-630-2400. Shampoo, Travis, Besaw, and Kirshner, a quarter century of proven accounting and business excellence for Western New York and beyond. 
716-630-2400. The Tim Graham Show. You walk into the church and you're not a Catholic, and the Catholics say, well, when you get to the pew, you're supposed to genuflect to the altar. Let's give thanks for stuff. And things. WHLD Buffalo. Well, I'm not a Catholic. It's like, well, you didn't genuflect. The Tim Graham Show. I don't even know what that means. I, even, I was going to say, I don't know what that means either. He's genuflecting right now. The Tim Graham Show. Hallelujah. The fan. Praise be. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Shampoo, Travis Besaw, and Kirshner, CPAs and business consultants, right here on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. I'm Tim Graham from The Athletic, here with my athletic cohort, Matthew Fairburn, Jonah Bronstein of uh, Bronstein uh, Amalgamated, and Bobby Rosati, producing the show, Neil Peart aficionado. Let's bring in, uh, with, we can't wait anymore. No more pausing. We're, we're already a little behind. Let's bring in uh, our pal Joel. From Buffalo to Las Vegas, it's Joel Fanchetti. The Bills make me want to Everyone who hates Tom Brady hates Tom Brady because he, he's not on there. Tomorrow is my birthday. <laughs> but I mean, this is just awesome. I mean, the excitement that's around the, the, the city as a whole. It's more like a royal flash. I've heard that clip so often that I can now hear that guy screaming, it's Joel Staniszewski. Can you replay that lat, just that last part? Um, give me one second and I can. Can you isolate that? I, I can. If we yeah, let's isolate not the whole thing, just the last part of the guy screaming. And if you isolate it and listen to it and think before you hit play that he's saying Joel Staniszewski, I bet you we can trick our minds into thinking that's exactly what is being said. Joel, thanks for joining us. It's great to be here. Uh, what is your uh, what is your uh, most prominent recollection of the rush drummer who's now deceased? Oh, I let me tell you, I, I'm a huge Neil Peart fan. Ah, uh, he's uh, you know just incredible. He's an incredible drummer. I, um, I I back in like 2001, I was a department manager, the drum department manager of Guitar Center on Niagara Falls Boulevard, and I used to watch Neil Peart videos all the time. Like we used to put them on on the TV in the corner and just sit there and watch him. And he's incredible. What was it that made him so good? So if you're a decent drummer, if you're a good drummer, I think you can play pretty much anything. You know, if I play, if I'm a, I'm a, I think I'm a good drummer. If I can, if you play a Rush song or uh, whoever the, the case, whatever the band is, if you can play it, you're a good drummer. But the question is, is can you think of it? So when, when, when someone plays guitar, plays a guitar like here here play play drums for the song i can just come up with a drum beat and it's pretty basic but when you come up with these like odd time signature just incredible beats that are so far out of the pocket that they're back into the pocket it's just mind-blowing 
That's pretty deep, actually. So far out of the pocket that they're back into the pocket. That's like when people talk about when you listen to jazz, don't listen for the notes you hear. Listen for the notes you don't hear. Right. I'm still it's, not it's sure what, what that what, means. But, it's what's in the empty space that <laughs> is what, what's the, the skill right there. Well, Joel, the empty space of the past six days, uh, what have we learned about your acumen for uh, picking these playoff games? So what's funny is last week, as we were talking about it, I had said the Vikings. As we were about to hang up, I was like, wait, I didn't want the Vikings. I wanted the Niners. But if I said that, then I would have had all four favorites. And I knew all four favorites weren't going to cover. So I just kept my mouth shut and I let it go. And that was a bad one. So I think we split. I think I did two and two of the four games last week. Um, but if you bet those games in running, like um, you could make some serious money. I mean, with Kansas City down 24 points, you could get, I, I, don't, I can't remember what the number was, but it was just incredible. And you can just, just make money. And then when Kansas City comes back, you bet the other side, and you're guaranteed to win, um, which I think is the, 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 the message for this week. I mean, there's only two games, so you can focus completely on these two games. Um, if I were to bet pregame, I would probably bet both dogs um, on the money line. You can get them almost at, th- at plus $3. Um, hope that they score first or stop uh, the, the home team's first get the ball start moving it and you can and you can get both sides of a bet you know it's interesting uh, this thought just popped into my head because as you phrased it the way you did joel where you say pre-game betting and i think as time goes on pre-game betting is going to be adorable I think we're going to probably look back on pregame betting as, remember when we used to do that, and that's the traditional bet, and you put it down and you sit back and you let it ride. But as you're going to be able to place bets through your phone more and more often in real time, you don't have to call your bookie before the game. You don't have to pick up a phone and call or go down to the sports book and place your bet. Uh, you don't have to worry about getting in your car, going anywhere. You can bet in real time. What about the analysis or these tout services that, you know, maybe uh, like what we're doing right now is you, you, is handicapping the games. You're, you're doing it for free. Some people pay uh, big money uh, to call a 1-900 number or go online and get picks or, or have access to, to somebody with your background. And maybe this happens already and I don't know it, but at what point does the handicapper do it live on video in real time, and he's yelling like Jim Cramer on his <laughs> ta- on his stock show. Bet, go Chiefs now, Chiefs now, go go go! And because you got to do it before the number changes or whatever. But at what point are we sitting watching a guy behind at a desk with all the numbers, crunching them and yelling at people, telling them what to go for, what to do? These so I hate to be the bearer of bad news to some people, but these people that sell picks. These people don't make their money by betting. They make their money by selling you their picks. They're right. not that big of gamblers. They're just they're just salesmen. So whether you're talking about, uh, I hate to give this guy publicity, but Vegas Dave, who's a, supposedly this great, huge better, uh, they're not. They just sell picks, and they, people pay a lot of money because of their name and notoriety. 
but they're not that big of betters. And I know because I've dealt with them firsthand. These people that you listen to on radio shows that are on these huge radio shows talking about sports betting, I've taken bets from them. They are very small betters. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to layer that in with an example that I have real quick because I think it it undercuts the whole the whole thing. So I'm flipping through. Uh, I have Directv, and the 600 channels are where you get your regional sports networks. And of course, that's where you see a lot of these gambling shows. And you'll see some of them are regional, um, but you'll see not just the really polished ones. You'll see some real slappy organizations. But there was a guy, I'm flipping through, and I say, I know that guy. And I, I'm not, I can't remember what, his, what name he was going by. But it finally dawned on me, it was a guy who covered high school sports for the Las Vegas Review-Journal. And he had a different, he shaved his head, and he had this goatee, and he spent, he probably invested a couple of thousand dollars in a couple of suits, and he had the pinky ring and the cigar, and he sat there, and he was all show, and he was telling his picks, and he covered, you know, Bonanza Durango football two nights earlier. And he, and he was on, and he was on multiple channels. So yeah, that's what you get. You find that somebody finds a guy, like you say, a salesman, and they throw him out there and have him scream into the camera to until he thinks you know what he's talking about. Exactly, exactly. That's Which what is, you do, right? You call me up and I scream on the phone and I say, "Bet the, bet the, bet the Packers, bet the Packers." Yeah, you got to get some kind of fake cover, accent, I, like you're. All of a sudden, I look like a genius. Like if, you're a wise guy. Packers, yeah, yeah, got it. Yeah, hey, hey, take the back. Hey, take the points. Take plus seven and a half. Take it all day. In your pinstripe suit, exactly. with the with the pinky watch ring. fob dangling down. Oh yeah, yeah. And you got to show the watch and the pinky ring. So if I, my pinky ring's on my left hand, I got to keep raising up my left hand to, to show you. You know, <laughs> you know Hopefully. how it's done. You may have done this once or twice. <laughs> you know, I yeah. don't give Joel Staniszewski's credentials uh, every show because he's on every week, and I should. But Joel has been a handicapper, a, an odds maker in Vegas. Uh, an analyst in the industry. So that's why he comes on. He does it for free. He doesn't give out picks for a living, but he set lines in Vegas for a long time. And, and now he actually is on the other side and does some handicapping and, um, and, and analysis, some consulting work. He's now consulting with uh, the Tim Graham show brought to you by CTBK. Oh, by the way, I want to say, I, I want to thank you for joining us on the NCCC Thunderwolves hotline, Joel. Um, so the games, let's take a closer look at these. Uh, San Francisco giving seven. That's the uh, that's the uh, that's the late game uh, on Sunday. Uh, I'm, so I'm doing them backwards. I'm sorry. Let's go back. Let's go back to the other one. Uh, Tennessee at Kansas City. Kansas City seven and a half point favorite with a total of fifty two. Yeah, you can get a, you can find some sevens around town. You're going to pay a little bit more juice, but if you're going to bet Kansas City, definitely pay the extra ten cents and go for the minus seven. Uh, Tennessee is playing awesome football, um, but with Kansas City, all they have to do is is really focus in on on stopping the run game because they're not going to get beat by the pass. And and stop saying stopping the run game and actually stopping the run game are two different things. But if you can if you can just force a couple of punts from Tennessee, they can you know they could conceivably win the game just by doing that. Uh, Kansas City, as you saw in the second half against um, Houston, they just when they're firing on all cylinders, they just cannot be stopped offensively. Um, so a, a running game that is really good. If you can really just slow it down just a little bit, instead of him running for 180, he runs for 120. 
110, um, that's all they really have to focus on because uh, Tannehill's not going to beat them through the air. So if they can slow down the run game, they have a, a, a great chance to just go up big. What do you think of uh, 52 as the over-under? Or I see actually it's being, people like the over because it's going to 52 and a half, 53 at some places. Yeah, uh, I mean, if Tennessee can score a couple of points, I mean, Kansas City, can, we see they can put up 50 in a, in themselves. Um, so Tennessee can put a couple of touchdowns on the board. It, it can. It seems like it's a lock to go over. San Francisco, seven-point favorite. Uh, at least that's where it opened. Uh, it looks like uh, folks are uh, they're, they like that because it's being bet up to seven and a half now over Green Bay with a total of forty-five. Yeah, and this is where you have um, where you might travel to get a number. So whether you're looking at Kansas City or San Francisco, there's some sevens out there. There's some seven and a half. Seven and a half. So if you like the dog, like I do with Green Bay, you go and you find that seven and a half, and you get that half a point because that's that could be huge. Uh, but I think that line's a touch high. Um, San Francisco is a really, really good team, um, but uh, Green Bay, you know, just has that Aaron Rodgers factor where you just know, like, at any point in time, you can throw up eighty yard pass. Um, you know, San Francisco has got a really complete team, uh, but I think when you're looking at, uh, you know, people who've been there before and have played in these big games, that's the Aaron Rodgers effect that you want. You want um, you want him to, 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 to win the game for you or at least keep it close. Uh, when you're looking at, the, I mean, they have extremely, con- I think they have exact same records against uh, um, straight up, but against the spread, I think uh, Green Bay is just a little bit better than San Francisco. So I think um, if you're just looking for a value, um, it's, it's the Packers plus seven and a half, or you take that money line, which like I said before is up to plus two ninety. You can get maybe you can get a, th- a plus three dollars offshore, and if uh, you get a, a couple of stops or you get a quick score, then you can you can bet both sides and just get plus money or or value on both sides, and hopefully uh, just cash and watch enjoy a game and get some free money out of it. So to summarize, take uh, Green Bay and the seven, but work hard. Look for that seven and a half, and uh, Kansas City, and look for the seven as opposed to the seven and a half. But it sounds like you're comfortable with Kansas City uh, and giving up seven, the seven and a half. Yeah, but uh, again, if, if I'm if I'm going somewhere, I'm I'm taking that seven and I'm laying the twenty cents um, because I, I don't want to I don't want to get hooked by that little half a point that's just sure. uh, dangling there. And go over 53. Yes. All right. And do we have that clip again, Bobby? Let's see if this guy is screaming Joel Staniszewski. What that, is, I can't find the isolated version because that's Slipknot. He's not, he's not screaming that. He's, I know he's not, but it's, I, I've heard it, I know, that, I've that, heard that it enough. No, I know that. Hang on. I've heard it enough that I think I've convinced myself that he's saying Joel Staniszewski. I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's a, a, or an acapella version. No. Can we get that real quick? I mean, Chad Didamenesis is waiting on us. Our word salad is uh, our our word salad interviews are stacking up on us here. Joel, what's the most interesting mispronunciation you've ever had of your name? I mean, I think it's pretty much given that my last name is going to be um, just butchered. I think what 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 shocks me the most is when people say my first name wrong. 
um, or spell it wrong. My, my, my go-to when I, when I go somewhere, you know, coffee shop or whatever, I say my name and then I spell it. All right, is, is he saying? All right, here we go. With, <laughs> he's saying Joel Staniszewski. Oh, we'll see. Yeah, you you kind of isolated I it too much because you it. need the drums. And all right, well, we're going to get to the bottom of this next yeah, week, okay. Joel. All right, Joel. Thanks for. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> next week, you want to come in and handicap the Pro Bowl for us? Oh no. Okay. Well, then maybe we'll hear from you in two weeks. <laughs> Got to preview Pro Super Joel Sunday. <laughs> Right. Yeah, get ready for Super Joel Sunday. Get, get your bets in. <laughs> that was Joel we'll Staniszewski we'll on the props. end. Yeah, let's do that. Thanks, Joel. Super Joel Sunday. That was Joel Staniszewski on the NCCC Thunderwolves hotline. Come be a part of a winning team at Niagara County Community College. When we come back, we're gonna we're just gonna keep that NCCC Thunderwolves hotline going. We're gonna have Chad Dedeminisis on from Die by the Blade. We're gonna talk some Sabers and uh, what's going on. The state of this confusing hockey team. When we come back on the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by CTBK. On Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Tim's Kitchen Tips. This is my new show. Yes! This show delivers. Delivery's late, it's your ass, not mine. The Tim Graham Show. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by CTBK here on Sports Radio 1270. The fan uh, running late uh, for our next guest, so I don't want to uh, chop it up too much here in the studio. So let's get right to the NCCC Thunderwolves hotline and Chad Dedeminisis from Die by the Blade. Chad, I want to thank you for coming on to the show. Not a problem, anytime. So the Sabres uh, have been rather confounding. Uh, they get off to their great start, built up some expectations. I think the last time we had you on the show was right before the season began. Um, and you didn't really see how the team had improved itself too much. And then all of a sudden they started playing, a, uh, you know, who are these guys? But we've started to get back to, I think, what you thought we were going to have um, back when we talked before the season. Sabres now uh, 11th in the conference, and they do have a slightly winning record at 21-19-7. They have 49 points, uh, though, through 47 games. I guess my, my broad strokes question for you, Chad, is what's the state of this team right now? Where do you, What are they? And why don't – well, I'll leave it at that. What are they? <laughs> Uh, I don't, I don't know. They're a team that can't score goals. I, I, I guess that's kind of the overarching. And what's issue. wrong with uh, that? Uh, the general manager didn't bring in enough talent. It's what's wrong with it. Uh, he brought in Jimmy VC that didn't work. And that was pretty obvious. That probably wasn't going to work. And that was done. Uh, Connor Sherry kind of didn't become the player. That maybe you expected when you got him two years ago, although he's playing better now. Um, Marcus Johansson was a nice signing, but signing him to be your second-line center wasn't probably the best idea. So it, it's a lot of factors. You know, I mean, you have Jack Eichel having a career year right now, and, you know, he's basically the guy keeping you afloat. Reinhardt's playing well. Um, Olsen's playing well. And losing Olsen to Skinner to injuries only made matters worse. So it, it's a continuous issue that 
you know, the forward depth wasn't addressed. It was an issue back in June, and, you know, we're here in the middle of January still talking about it, and the only thing that was done about it was to bring in Michael Froelich, and that, I don't know, that at best is a bottom six forward at this point in his career. I mean, a few years back, he was a play-driving winner, but he's just, you know, not that player anymore. So the defense improved. They're better, one of the top ten shot suppression teams in the league, but they just literally can't put the fuck in the net consistently, and that's one of the main things I've heard them all year long. Chad, I'm looking at uh, one of your latest tweets here that says, someone tell the Sabres to hire me and my fancy stats friends. We'll get in there and get everyone fired and clean up the organization. <laughs> a little, yeah, little bit tongue-in-cheek yeah. there, but I mean, in all seriousness, no, it, let's say you were hired uh, to run run the Sabres, sit in Jason's seat. Where would you begin? What What would... How how would you fix this and get it turned in the right direction? Because even as they hang in playoff contention, it doesn't seem that anybody's all that excited about about the future. Yeah, well, to give a little context first, that was based off the um, reporters saying that the two doubles analytics guys help push out Ray Shiro. So that's the kind of what that was about. But uh, to answer your question, it's you know I think it's what I say. You got to get forward. You got to get forward help. You know it. it Dylan Cousins is your really only forward that you have in the system prospect-wise. He looks like he's going to be really good. You don't know we're going to get a Casey Middleset anymore. Uh, he's down a Rochester. You hope that can turn around, but, you know, we'll see how that goes. And, and beyond that, you have Cousins, a bunch of bottom six forward ceiling guys in depth, and a ton of defensemen. I mean, you know, Matias Samus and Ryan Johnson, you know, those, those picks at the beginning of the second round and late first round, I don't know if you really needed to do both of that, especially with the depth and organization defensively. They have, I, I don't know, I mean, exaggerate, like 500 defensemen, but it, it, it's crazy. So, you know, I think the first thing you got to do is you got to get some forward help. Um, you you got to, you really got to score more goals. It has been an issue for this team for years. And, you know, Kruger, to give him credit, has done a, a nice job with that new defense that I mentioned, you know, revamping that defense and, you know, helping the shot depression and, and doing that. You know, the, I think their approach to win this season was to kind of take a book out of the Islanders' playbook, is, you know, to maybe drag some games down, win playing defensive hockey and score enough goals to win and have that good goaltending. But Allmark has played okay, Hutton has played bad, but they don't have the goaltending to do that either. So maybe that's the next era you have to go to next after the forwards is you have to get a decent goaltender in here. So it's there's a lot of holes. I mean, their prospect system, like I said, our forward isn't great. They don't have a lot of forward help in the organization. And, you know, they, they traded a second, a third, and a fifth-round draft pick last year for VC and Colin Miller. And one guy sits in the press box most nights, and the other one doesn't score that much or sits in the press box. So, you know, it, it's a lot of bad things without for them right now. And it's it's frustrating three years in this general manager's uh, time that, you know, we're still here where it looks like he still has a lot of work to do. And, you know, that that's definitely not where you would like him to be three years later. Can you identify, you know, any forwards out there in the NHL or are there moves to be made that the Sabres aren't making? What what could they get for the assets they have on the blue line or what they're able to offer in a trade? Yeah, I mean, those plays out. I mean, you don't, it's hard to say kind of, you know, it, the sure availability, but this player is like Tyler Toffoli that have been available all year. You know, the report has been all season long and mid round pick, which sounds like a second or a third in, in the B level prospect. I, I understand that his contract is up at the end of the year, but he, he's been there for the taking. You know, it's 
I don't know why you'd be afraid to make that deal, I, I guess. You know, it, maybe Tottles might like the player, and that's fine. I think he'd be a fine addition to the top six. But, you know, there's that Chris Kreider's out there, but at this point, that's the guy you're going to have to pay a first-round pick for. Um, you know, Pajot out of Ottawa, another guy that you have to pay a first-round pick for. And where you are now, you can't do that. But, you know, there were plenty of forwards traded in the offseason. You know, Burakovsky was traded. Howla was traded. So, you know, there was guys to go after, but they landed on D.C. Johansson, and it, it didn't work out for them. So it's not – It's my whole gripe is it's not just in season. It's It goes all the way back to June. And you want to go beyond that because the issue is inconsistent. Um, you know, it, it, it's been seven, eight months here of needing a forward desperately and being obvious. And everybody in the league knows that, so that doesn't help your stance either as a general manager. And the longer this goes here, the more desperate you get. And now you're at a point where – you're five points out of the playoffs, and the Flyers have a game in hand on you. So you're seven points out, and your two best forwards, two of your best forwards, are hurt, and you're kind of just sitting there thinking, "Well, should I just sell off pieces and pump the rest of the season?" Because realistically, that might be where you're at. And five points slash seven points out of the playoff hunt doesn't sound like a lot when you take a look at it and say, "Well, it's that many points, and there are this many games left." But anybody who's been around hockey or paid attention to how the standings and playoff races work is uh, would know that five is a monumental number. Um, yeah. Especially at this stage of the season. And uh, it is something that is, it has to be frustrating for any, any Sabres fan who, who's been watching this team for the past couple months. Uh, we are in conversation with uh, Chad Dedeminisis on the NCCC Thunderwolves hotline. And uh, Chad, you mentioned earlier uh, in the segment about how Jack Eichel is carrying the Sabres, and no one can dispute that. Uh, he's having an MVP-worthy season. Uh, sadly, uh, MVPs don't get handed out to teams, uh, to players that finish uh, five points out of the playoffs too often. Um, but one guy I want to ask you about, because I think that heading into this season, some Sabres fans were hoping he would be helping out Jack Eichel carry this load significantly, is Rasmus Dahlin. And whether that was... You know, maybe, you know, getting too excited about the kid or, you know, whatever. But he's had a disappointing season overall. He has five assists in his last five games. He's been making a play here or there that makes you think, man, you know, this guy really is special. But by and large, uh, has been a disappointment this season. Uh, I guess, again, another broad strokes one. But where where are you with uh, with Rasmus Dahlin right now and, and his game? Yeah, he's, he's he's interesting. You know, it, it's there's no denying the first two months of the season, two and a half months. You know, there was there was some issues in his own end. You know, you know a lot of that maybe was with confidence. Um, you know, maybe the coaching staff asking him to focus more on his defensive game. Uh, Kruger's mentioned that a few times, asking him to focus on defense and give up some offense. Where it's not really what you want to see from one of your premier, well, arguably premier, um, supposed defensive players. But you know, it's. It, it's tough, you know. He's only 19 years old. Thing I remember too, but you know, since that injury, he's been—I I would say—he's been the player we saw last season. He's carrying the puck more. He's in the play more. He—you can tell that confidence is back. He's dancing around guys in the defensive zone. He's making crisp passes, crisp decisions. Um, he's making plays in the offensive zone. So, you know, it, it's a guy that—it's it, weird. It, it's most of the season to this point has been a struggle, but then you look at it and you go, "Well, he's still on pace for 54 points," and in all situations, he's you know the ninth best in you know points per sixty 
and like I think it's like 25th at five on five in points per 60. So the production is still there, but then there's defensive struggles, and you realize only 19. It's it's a really weird situation where you kind of you see struggles, but then his points are there. So I guess you kind of got to step back and just completely understand that he's still young. Uh, the tools are there. The talent is there. And he gets it to be encouraged how he's come back from the concussion because I think from that point, uh, in the middle of December, and he returned, I think he's been their best defenseman for them. So you got to hope that keeps going. You know, he's maybe going to have some rough turnovers and some rough plays in the defensive zone, but it's kind of what you take. You know, with a guy who has the puck on a stick all the time, or a guy you want to have the puck on the stick all the time, you're going to get those turnovers, and you kind of just live with those some nights. The same thing with Eichel. You know, he's going to have those turnovers, but you live with it because. On the other end, you're going to get four or five more good players that are going to help you win hockey games. What's the outlook on Casey Middlestat at this point? I mean, there's been players who have gone to the AHL, and it's been good for them. Is there reason to believe that could be the case here, that a step back and, and a reset might be what he needs? Yeah. I mean, there's no reason to believe that he's you know going to be a bust by any means. I don't think he's going to be as good as maybe the hype is around him after that World Junior, uh, I think that kind of got a little out of hand, but, you know, it's kind of how it goes sometimes. It's For me, I, I kind of want the organization to decide what they want him to be. Is he going to be a winger for them, or is he going to be a center? And decide what he's going to be, and then have him grow in that role. Um, you know, he, he's a player that does most of his damage in transition. You know, he's a guy who likes to play on the rush and create his offense on the rush. So, you know, you, you just you got to kind of understand he's never going to be a guy who's going to go in the offensive zone and kind of set up a cycle for you and create that way. You need him to do that at times, but I think you have to understand kind of where his, you know, where his game fits and what, and then how you put a line around him knowing what his strengths are. Cause I mean, realistically in the two years, you know, he was here in the NHL. He, he had to replace O'Reilly because the general manager got nobody else to do that. Uh, Bergwin walked away after about a month. His, somewhat protection he was supposed to have. So he was thrust into that role. He really never had the line mates consistently to help him do that. Uh, the same thing again, they pretty much ran it back this year, but they gave him Johansson as a protection, which, you know, maybe wasn't the best idea either. So, you know, and, and I think that kind of hurts. You know, the organizational depth being an issue uh, never really allowed them to put him with wingers that could kind of prop him up and help him, you know, as a 19, 20-year-old kid. So, you know, that that goes back to their issues they have at forward, too. So, you know, I, I wouldn't say that, again, I would write him off by any means, but I think they have to decide what he's going to be moving forward. And maybe it is a winger because you have cousins, and then you can get, you know, another winger to another center down the road. But, um, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that turns out because right now it's kind of up in the air for sure. Now we've been looking ahead in, in terms of speculation and what's going going to happen with various players or trades, I guess, through this uh, through this entire interview, Chad. But I guess well, let's let's look ahead just in terms of the team and uh, where it's going, uh, playoffs, you know, whatever. I, what what do you if you could predict what's going to happen over the next three months? What's uh, <laughs> I have a feeling it's not going to be good. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to, to skew this question to see if maybe you, if there's some a bright spot you want to pick out. But uh, I'll leave it at that. What, what do you think is going to happen here? I mean, it, it, there's 
there's always ways. It's the same way that I think I talked about when we talked for the season. I mean, I, I have what I think is going to happen. How do you defeat that? Well, you have a power play that goes crazy. You have a goaltender that makes a lot of saves. And you have a couple players get hot all of a sudden along with your star center, and that kind of drags you in. Realistically, is that going to happen? Probably not. It's probably going to be what we saw a lot of the season. It's going to be ups and downs. They're going to win a couple games in a row, and then they're going to maybe going to lose three or four in a row. And at the end of the day, they're probably going to finish around an 82 to an 85 point team, like a lot of you know these models in the beginning of the season predicted. Because that's just that's just who they are. Just, he did a good job improving the defense. Just he never addressed the forwards, and he never addressed the offense. And hoping for players, a handful of players. The play above their heads was a flawed thought from the beginning, and it's you know it's playing out that way. It's unfortunate because you know it, it again, like you mentioned, you've had those hot starts, you have those teaser moments in there that you're like, oh look at they're kind of going, but you know it, it's kind of they are what they are, and it, it's it's unfortunate. It's another season that sits through that's kind of kind of a waste, and you're wasting another year of Jack Eichel, and you know so far one of the best seasons he's had of his career, and. You know, it's disappointing. I mean, that's I mean, it's not a conversation for right now, but I mean, too many more of these seasons, you're going to maybe start to have some issues with Eichel not being so content being here all the losing. And, may, and like you say, maybe that's closer than we know. I mean, we don't know. It could Who's be. to yeah. say? Who's to say? It can't yeah. be any fun for him. Uh, he is under contract for a while, but uh, yeah, it can't be any fun for him. And when he's not having fun, he is the captain. And uh, even though he is young, there are still a lot of players in that dressing room who follow his lead uh, and will, you know, kind of uh, reflect uh, what his feelings are too. Uh, it should be noted, Sabers uh, playing Dallas uh, tomorrow night uh, on the road. They have not won at American Airlines Center since 2009. Eleven years they have not won in this building. So. Uh, who knows, Chad? Maybe tomorrow's when it gets started. Well, last night would be when they when it gets started. Uh, yeah, win over that was Vegas, a good win against but, Vegas. That was but, a nice uh, win. Well, if, if they can string this one together, boy, look out, <laughs> Chad. Yeah, thanks optimism. for thanks for joining us, man. And I look forward to having you on again. All right, sounds good, man. Thanks. That was Chad Dedeminisis from Die by the Blade on the N Triple C Thunderwolves Hotline. Come be a part of a winning team at Niagara County Community College. When we come back, we're going to talk more foosball. We haven't really talked about the Bills yet. Not that there's necessarily anything to talk about. We could talk about your recent story about uh, drafting a receiver. Talking to Matthew Fairburn. This is radio, so you can't tell who I'm looking at as I say that. Unless you're watching on Periscope. True. And uh, we're going to have Jason Bristol, uh, former Empire Sports Network uh, sports reporter, He's now working down in Houston, and we're going to talk about the mess that's going on down there with the Texans and the Astros when we come back on the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by CTBK on Sports Radio 1270, The Fan. Tim Graham Show. It's going to be 92 and in the hole. The Fan. I know I'm going to get pimped. I love sausage. Shocking. Dizzying. How did this happen? When I bring the lumber, it's all about the whole. I diddled uh, some pole uh, over the weekend. Right. Not me so honia. I did have an accident with a menorah. Here we go. On Twitter at 1270, a fan. Wet ball. Taking your calls at 270-1270. What's up, baby? How you doing? Here we go. Yeah.
The Tim Graham Show. When's the last time you read the New Testament, huh? I'm trying to put my junk back in place. You're one of the guys I'm following on Twitter, you know. Well, I like this guy, uh, Tim Graham. Welcome back to the Tim Graham Show, brought to you by Shampoo Travis Bison, Kirshner, CPAs, and business consultants right here on Sports Radio 1270 The Fan. I am Tim Graham from The Athletic, here with Joe Naberstein of uh, Naberstein and Associates. We forgot to tell one of the all-time greats. We'll finish up with that. We'll come back to that later. I don't want to leave our guest waiting. But uh, also, uh, Matthew Fairburn of The Athletic here in studio, Bobby Rosati, Diddle and the Knobs. Let's get right down to Houston. And uh, it has been the epicenter of sports news over the past few days. Houston Texans blowing a big lead and losing to the Kansas City Chiefs one week after the Bills blew a 16-point lead to allow Houston to win and advance uh, to uh, to play against the Chiefs. And then just a, what was it, a day or two later, our next guest is covering the Astros firing their manager, their general manager, suspensions, losing draft picks, $5 million fines, the embarrassment of sports, well, until the Red Sox come along and fire their manager for doing the same thing. Joining us now on the NCCC Thunderwolves hotline is Jason Bristol. Looking at his bio here on the KHOU <laughs> website, 25 Emmy Awards? Yeah, actually, um, yeah, that's about right, I think. Oh, you were going to correct it. It's more since they printed this bio, right? You were going to say, what, it's 27 yeah. now? No, I think there's 26, but who's counting? So. Jason Bristol. Hopefully uh, a lot of fans remember Jason from his day. We covered the Sabres together back when things were super interesting. Uh, <laughs> Jason uh, got to cover a bankruptcy, and, uh, well, he was also working for the owner who got led away in handcuffs, by the way, and he was yeah, at the we Empire Sports Network. All that. Yeah, I was cover- it was a little bit different. I was a little more detached than you were, uh, but Jason Bristol, formerly of the Empire Sports Network, and remembered fondly because that network was a lot of fun and uh, people in Western New York uh, really enjoyed it. And WNSA, the radio station uh, that went along with Empire, that was it helped make Buffalo feel that much more big time. It was its own regional sports network with the local colleges, Big Four basketball, Syracuse sports, Bills, Sabres, Bandits, you name it. Uh, um, what do you remember about working for Empire Sports Network? And let's leave off the ending because I'm sure that that changed everything for you in terms of how you viewed your experience. Well, I mean, when you look back at that experience, the ending is what it is. I didn't do anything wrong, so I never felt that uh, it was any indication of my work. But what I enjoyed was being in a community that loved its sports, whether it was the Bills, the Sabres, and the Sabres and the Buffalo Bisons, those were my beats, if you will. And meeting and seeing Marty Brown and Ryan Garko and Grady Sizemore and all those players that went through that system, that Cleveland Indian system, I still run into a few of them to this day. I just saw uh, Jeremy Guthrie, former Bison pitcher, uh, during the playoffs. He, he lives in the Houston area. I still communicate with some of the guys. So uh, I, it, it, was, it was an amazing time, and uh, it, it's, the ending was unfortunate, to say the least. 
Yeah, it hurt a lot of people, and it was none of those people's fault, and it just crashed down, and uh, I think Western New York still is lesser because of it. Uh, the mm-hmm. the competition that's involved in terms of uh, more sports media in town, and having Empire Sports Network uh, really kept me on my toes. That was my competition, and <laughs> uh, especially because they were owned by the Sabres. Well, they were owned by the Rebus yeah. family. And sure. I always felt like I was at a bit of a disadvantage in that regard, so it made me that much more aggressive. And I used to wake up in the morning ready to go. But we all had, uh, we all got along great. It was not, uh, we were all, we were all friendly. And uh, in fact, I used to appear on on the on the show every now and then, uh, mm-hmm. usually to talk about boxing and, and Joe Macy. But um, but anyway, let's uh, let's get into what uh, your past few days have been like. Uh, we're in conversation with. Uh, Jason Bristol from KHOU 11 in uh, Houston, and he's an Empire Sports Network alum here on the NCCC Thunderwolves hotline. Uh, Jason, I guess I want to, I'm more curious about how, as a journalist, uh, how you, from a personal level, what's this been like to cover? Let let me change that question. I'm sorry, Jason, because I don't want to make it from a personal level. From a professional standpoint, covering a story like this, this is one of the favorite teams in Houston sports history, um, and now this stain is on this organization. You have to cover it as a journalist, not as a fan. I'm sure the fans are pissed off royally that this is happening to them, and yet this is a pretty serious issue that you need to explain why the, the organization's falling apart. How, how have you handled that? Well, no doubt, and, and you have to remember if you take a step back, there has been a lot of smoke regarding these allegations. They've been, they've been going on for years, even before I got here. I've been here for a little more than three years, and there has always been um, allegations that the Astros were up to no good when it came to stealing signs and even some other issues. And I think when I walked into that media room on... Monday, after hearing that Jeff Luno and A.J. Hinch had been suspended, I think I was expecting the worst, but until you actually hear the words come out of Jim Crane's mouth that he has dismissed both A.J. and Jeff, it, it, just, it just hit you like, whoa. Because think of it, winning a World Series championship in 2017 after what happened to the city with Hurricane Harvey, the devastation, and how the city was looking for something to bring its spirits up. And the Astros were that thing. The Astros, they were always talking about, this is for H-Town, and, and this is for our city, and we live here, and, and we've been affected by this. And the Astros and the city have been together ever since that that, that World Series championship, and certainly there was another World Series run. But I think what stands out to me, and I had a commentary on this a couple of nights ago, we don't do a lot of commentaries in sports, but there is a little bit of, I think, arrogance that went along with this Astros organization, and certainly people around baseball look at it that way. But when you look at what transpired, I mean, during the American League Championship Series, A.J. Hinch is basically daring other people to say, put your name on an allegation. I'm tired of all these allegations. Put your name on an allegation if you feel so strongly that you want to attack my players and my team. Well, guess what? Finally, someone did. And I think, and we know now that Mike Fires was the guy that broke the camel's back because he was passionate enough 
to not let this go on. Now, certainly there's a lot of argument about why wait two years and what a rat this guy is. And, you know, he'll take his World Series ring and, and, and ride off into the sunset. But in the, I think when we look back years from now, perhaps people's pers- perspective on him will be a little bit different, that um, maybe it's a good thing that he finally told the truth about what was actually going on. Um, A.J. Hinch has been very remorseful. I, I, both men, A.J. and Jeff Luno, um, my interactions with, with them have always been pleasant and respectful. Um, I'm not afraid to criticize either of them. I have in the past, but uh, it, it, it has been tough. But I think a lot of Astros fans now, um, a good number of them, after seeing the report and the actual detail of the allegations, they understand how heavy of a situation this is and that the Astros are indeed guilty of what was accused, what, what they were accused of. We're in conversation with Jason Bristol of KHOU 11 uh, in Houston, Texas, right here on the NCCC Thunderwolves hotline. And you mentioned it there, Jason, regarding uh, A.J. Hinch and him daring reporters to put names uh, on these allegations and the temerity of this. Really, when you think about him sitting in the dugout, the echoes of that trash can going right past him, he hears it, he knows exactly what it is, and the damning audio-slash-video of that that had been circulated and people have gone back and tracked pretty much any home run that was hit in that ballpark, uh, and, and you hear the audio and the pitchers exasperated walking off the mound trying to talk to the catcher, what the hell's going on here, um, and... I don't. How do how do the fans, I guess, separate their loyalty to the team to the embarrassment that this is? And I'm sure it's a struggle for them, and maybe it takes time to come to grips with this. But they bought the merchandise, and we we all know how fans are. It doesn't matter the team. Once you're emotionally committed to something, it's it's hard to hear the truth sometimes. So I guess here we are in the few first few days after after this happening. Where are the fans with this in terms of? coping with with the the tainted or the asterisk aspect of this championship? Well, I think, uh, first off, it wasn't every home run. I mean, there are still some very... Listen, no, what I meant by that, Astros. Jason, was that we everybody's gone back and listened to every home run, you know, sure, to find it. You. So it's all yeah, been... Yeah, it's all out I there. Think yeah, I think they're still dealing with it. I think the one component that we have not... Um, and, and I think this is going to be an, a really important component is what are the players going to say? We haven't heard. You know, we've heard from some guys who played last year on the team, but we haven't heard from any of the stars. Justin Verlander, Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, George Springer. And while the fans process all these emotions, I think that will be how these players respond to these questions for the first time. That may go a long way in how the fans ultimately view this team and these players and their integrity. Uh, I think that when we find out what these guys are going to say, are they going to apologize? Are they going to admit to wrongdoing? We'll find out because they have an event Friday night that's a closed event, private event for a a gala here. And then on Saturday they have Fan Fest, which is uh, obviously uh, where fans come in, take pictures, meet and greet, that kind of thing. So I I think – it should be very interesting. In the past few years, a lot of the star players have shown up. Who's going to be there this year? I don't know. It, it, it's it's going to be. I think that might be your. That might be the event 
or the scenario or the situation, I should say, that, that ultimately decides or goes a long way in deciding how the fans feel about what, what transpired during 2017. Jason, how much is this uh, whole ordeal helping Bill O'Brien skate by on what <laughs> happened uh, to his Texans on Sunday? Well, listen, I mean, when you, <laughs> when you see what happened on, on Sunday... And I, I do agree with Bill when he said, listen, and it was a bit high, he admitted it was some hyperbole when he said we needed to score 50 on Sunday to beat the Chiefs. Um, I think he knew that his defense, uh, and coupled with the Kansas City Chiefs' quick strike offense, that they were going to need to score a lot of points, and 24 points wasn't going to get the job done because of what the Chiefs do and what the Texans haven't done on defense. But, yeah, I mean, you come into work or you think, okay, Monday – We've got to wrap this up, and we've got to continue all this coverage on the Texans, and then boom. Yeah, it, it um, certainly shifted the attention and shifted it very, very quickly away from the Texans. So um, it is what it is. That's just the way the news cycle is. But uh, you know, I don't want to put words in Bill's mouth, but um, I imagine that there's uh, he feels a little less pressure than maybe he did uh, a few hours after that game on Sunday. How are you guys uh, handling? Are you taking a few days off? Uh, are the Rockets out of town at least? I don't have the schedule in front of me. Uh, they were in Memphis last night. They have another game tonight. So um, it is funny. Some of the personnel from the Rockets have, have joked with various media members who are not beat writers and said, um, oh, hey, how's it going? And then they'll say, I guess we'll see you um, a little bit more consistently after football season. So it 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 does uh it, it it does go in in spurts here you know during the summer we're all about baseball and into october and then texans and then texans dominate and then after um you know the next few months we'll be shifting to to more of a rockets mode if you will as we get closer to the playoffs but uh um it, this city uh is i don't think people realize from up north and the northeast because i i didn't realize it until i got here first of all just how massive this place is. I mean, some of the suburbs here are bigger than the city of Pittsburgh. Where I live in Cypress, Texas, would be the 19th largest city in the country, and those are considered suburbs of Houston. So it is so massive, and there's so much going on all the time that uh, the news cycle just never seems to stop. Like right now, I'm at perhaps one of the swankiest hotels in Houston covering the Bear Bryant Coach of the Year Awards. And we're waiting for Ed Ogeron from LSU. He's one of the uh, finalists. So um, it just it, it, it the news cycle never stops here. So yes, it does get a little tiring. But uh, on the flip side, it's it, it's exciting, and there's never a dull day at the office. Yeah, I think that people do overlook Houston and and how you use the word I would have used massive. Uh, it is, and uh, you'll never run out. So if it wasn't the Astros, it would have been something else. And uh, hopefully you don't have uh, too many other something else's here that at least stack <laughs> up on you in the next month or so. At least uh, get a little breathing room uh, before pitchers and catchers have to report. Yeah, no doubt. And, and that's going to be interesting because right now the Astros don't have a manager. They don't have a general manager. So we're going to find out, I imagine, in the next week or so what Houston will do. And it, it's going to be another circus on that very first day of, of Spring training, uh, when we when we get to see the first day of these guys in action, pitchers and catchers report on the 13th, 
and and then the and then the players, the rest of the squad returns uh, to the team uh, three or four days later. So um, it, it's going to be fascinating. And now, obviously, with Alex Cora in the mix, um, uh, what's happened to him? And, and now, I guess we're a lot of Astros fans are just waiting to see what what transpires with Beltron since uh, since he was such an integral part of this, as documented in MLB's report. I think maybe a, just a little advice to the Astros uh, might be for this fan fest to just bring back Dickie Thon, J.R. Richard, Don Sutton, uh, Bill Doran. Uh, have no current players. Just bring back all the you know the people that make you feel good. Uh, just bring all them back. And, and you uh, know it's funny you say that because a lot of the national media has been uh, very vocal in the last twenty four hours. Say, listen, a lot of these Astros players they come across. Is so arrogant and cocky on television when they're winning, and now where are they? They're silent. We haven't heard a word from them. Justin Verlander is always the first one to start talking about MLB and its policies, and Alex Bregman's always mugging for the camera. And and this is something that a lot of national people, talkers, have been saying. Okay, well, where are these guys now? When <laughs> you know there's this vacuum of silence at this point. So, um, and I and I can see that from a national perspective, but. Um, I, I, I think it will be interesting to see how they play this the next couple of days when, when these players are at these events. Will they have a news conference uh, with a few guys acting as spokespersons, or will it be a, a, a thing where a bunch of team, team members are, are available? I, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to deal with it. Jason, I can't thank you enough for joining us. It's great to get caught up with you. Every time I see you, yeah. it's, it seems like it's a pleasant surprise. It's like seeing somebody yeah. I graduated from high school with out of the blue. And um, to be able to have you on, and uh, I mentioned it earlier in the show, you still have the 716 phone number. And uh, so, yeah, you're remembered down here fondly, and um, I'm, I'm happy for you that you're covering big news, but I hope you get some time off. All right. Hey, thanks so much. It was great seeing you when you were down here, and uh, look forward to talking to you again. All right. Enjoy Ed Orgeron. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. That was Jason Bristol on the NCCC Thunderwolves hotline. Come be a part of a winning team at Niagara County Community College. Great insight there, and um, on, a, on a big story, the biggest story of the week. I don't think you're going to be able to top that. It was the bigger story to me than the national championship game, quite frankly, on, on Monday. Major League Baseball tried to slide it in there. Early front runner for story, biggest story of the year. It's going to be hard to top that one. That's the score to beat. It's going to be for a long time, I think. Uh, my thanks to everybody here. We have to break uh, early for Syracuse basketball. Boston College is going to play in the Carrier Dome tonight. It's a 6:30 tip, which means it's a 5:30 pregame here on Sports Radio 1270. The fan. So we are going to duck out. My thanks to Joel Staniszewski for giving us his bets. By the way, just to recap, he wants. Uh, you to take Green Bay and the seven points, but shop around for the seven and a half points. He says that's worth it. You want the hook. And the same, but vice versa, for Kansas City. Uh, go shop around and give. Uh, you want uh, to give seven, not seven and a half, uh, over uh, the Tennessee Titans. And go the over, uh, 53 points. So that's uh, the recap of Joel's bets. Uh, Chad Dedenmenesis of Die by the Blade was also on the NCCC Thunderwolves hotline, as was, as you just heard, Jason Bristol, uh, formerly of Empire Sports Network, now working and winning 26 Emmys down in Houston. I don't think he won all of them in Houston, but, geez, FFS. That's a few. Uh, we'll be back next week, although 
Matthew Fairburn and I will both be on location. 